Grace and peace be to you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. As part of my presentation at the National Youth Gathering, I asked this question. Which article of the Apostles' Creed do you think of when you think of baptism? So, let me ask you the same question. Which article of the Apostles' Creed comes to mind for you when you think about baptism? Do you associate baptism with the first article? We just covered that just a few minutes ago, right? That deals with God the Father and the area of creation. Do you associate baptism with the second article and, and the work of the Son of God and redemption? Or do you associate it with the third article in God the Holy Spirit's work of sanctification? Well, most likely you're going to say what? Second or third? The second article is kind of obvious because in baptism, what happens? You are united with Christ in his death and his resurrection. You've got that in Romans chapter 6 and Colossians chapter 2. Uh, the third article, you can see that really, really obviously laid out for us that uh, in baptism, God the Holy Spirit uh, delivers saving faith to us and uh, gives us forgiveness of sins. You can see that in like Acts 2.38. But how about the first article? Does baptism have anything to do with the doctrine of creation? Well, I think this is an area that's largely been overlooked in the church for about the last 75 years or so. Uh, during that time, a movement that can rightly be called gospel reductionism has been rampant. If you're not familiar with gospel reductionism, it goes something like this. The only thing that matters is... The gospel. Now, don't get me wrong. The gospel matters, and it matters a lot. But when we start to isolate it from all of the other stuff, what we end up with is a false gospel and a shriveled Christianity. For instance, I once had a conversation with somebody, a lifelong Lutheran, and he said that he had a friend who became a Lutheran because he loved the gospel. Because the gospel meant his sins were forgiven and he, was, he had freedom in Christ. Now that sounds really good, right? <laughs> but then he said this. Uh, uh, and so, because of the freedom he had in the gospel, he owned and operated a strip club. Well, uh, yeah. No, that's not going to work, right? <laughs> You start to recognize this gospel reductionism is, is not a real gospel. I'm free in the gospel, so I can do whatever I want. I can be angry with somebody and hate somebody, and I can, I can as long as I just say I trust in Jesus, I'm good. Obviously, this is not the fruit of the gospel. Choosing to, to live in such a way is evidence that there's a spiritual problem. It's not evidence of a super strong faith. So here's my point with this. Uh, baptism, it really is a second article thing. It really is a third article thing, but it's also a first article thing because it is being renewed in the, the ways that we were created to be. God is renewing our hearts and renewing our lives so that as his creation, we start to live as we were created to be 
from the beginning. Since we are baptized children of God, we're set free from the destructive ways of the world. We're given to live as God created us to live. How we use our bodies, what we do with our money, the relationships that we have, those are all going to now be shaped by the reality that we have been baptized into Christ. We are renewed in Christ. We are children of God. As those who bear the name of Christ, we now desire to live in ways that are pleasing to our Heavenly Father. And those are not some new ways that we have to discover, but it's rather a renewal of what God created his creation to do and to be. So now as we approach today's reading from Luke, we do so very much with first article things right there before us. But let's keep in mind, we're approaching this also through the lens of who we are as baptized children of God, as those who have died to sin and been raised as new creations in Christ and now are set free to be what God had created us to be from the beginning. In Luke chapter 12, Jesus says these words. Therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat, nor about your body, what you will put on. For life is more than food and the body more than clothing. Consider the ravens. They neither sow nor reap. They have neither storehouse nor barn, and yet God feeds them. Of how much more value are you than the birds? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to a span of life? If then you are not able to do such a, a small thing as that, why are you anxious about the rest? Consider the lilies, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin, yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass, which today is alive in the field and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, how much more will he clothe you, O you of little faith? And do not worry about what you are to eat or what you are to drink, nor be, nor be worried, for all the nations of the world seek after these things, and your Father knows that you need them. Instead, seek his kingdom, and these things will be added to you. When you were a little child, a small child, did you ever worry about how your parents would put food on the table or make a mortgage payment? Did you even know that your parents made mortgage payments when you were a little child? I think most of us would probably say, yeah, I never really had to think about that. I never really worried about that. My parents had it under control. Uh, But even those that might have grown up in poverty and really did kind of think about those things, they weren't really in control to change anything regarding it, were they? If you were a little child and your parents couldn't make ends meet as a small child, there wasn't a whole lot you could do to change that. Well, so it is with our Heavenly Father. God the Father loves you dearly. He's made it clear that he, by by giving his Son to be our Savior, and then we start to think, well, is this God who loves us, does he forget about all of our physical needs? Well, the Father in Heaven cares about the birds, of the air. He provides for their needs. We have that that phrase, you know, consider the ravens. And I I always hear that, and I hear it kind of like in King James, 
voice. I don't know if that's really a thing, but it is in my mind. Like King James language, right? So consider the ravens, and it sounds really poetic, right? Um, but then I'm, I'm reading this week, I was reading this same text in uh, the New Living Translation, and it says, consider the crows. That doesn't sound so poetic, does it? It's, it's kind of like, well, yeah, I guess if God's going to take care of even the crows, he's going to take care of us. I don't know. For me, like ravens, because of the, the poetic language that's been passed down to us in Scripture, sometimes I think of that as like, yeah, God would care for the, the ravens, right? But then you think, well, yeah, consider the pigeons, you know? <laughs> yeah, he, he even he meets their needs, right? Remember the rats. He's going to take care of even those kinds of creatures. You think he's going to forget about you? You're of more value than they are. Jesus here is inviting us to stop worrying about things you can't control and to rest securely in the Lord. He's inviting us to just climb up on God the Father's lap, tell him our worries, and to just rest in the reality that God's got it. Even more than a loving father who would welcome a child to climb up on his lap and comfort that child and take away the worries from that child, our Heavenly Father lets us come right to him. And he knows all of our needs. And he meets all of our needs. And when we have these worries, we can bring them right to him, and he, he's got it. Now, Jesus is not teaching against hard work. That's very clear from a lot of other places in Scripture. But he is saying, stop worrying about things you can't control. And just rest in the security that you have a Father in heaven who truly, deeply loves you. Martin Luther had kind of a a hilarious section in one of his sermons in which he relates this idea to the idea of height. The height that God created you to have is the height that you have. And you can't change it. So Luther said, if the only way for a man to grow up were for him to be concerned about how tall he would be, how tall would any of us grow? Or what good does it do a little dwarf to worry about him to worry himself to death about becoming taller? What do you accomplish when you concern with your concern about food and clothing, about where food and clothing are coming from, as if in your it lay in your power to make the body big and tall as you pleased. The length and width of your body and all its members has been allotted to you. You cannot do anything about it. And he dares you to make it an inch tall, uh, make, make it taller by a hair's breadth. What food, what, what a fool are you then? You are concerned about something that does not lie within your power. Whereas God has already allotted its duration and size to you and has specified how long your body and life is to endure. And you cannot trust him to provide you with both food and clothing as long as you have to live here. <laughs> he says, all right, go ahead, and, go ahead and change how tall you are. Can you do that? Can you, can you worry yourself into growing taller? And it doesn't seem to be working. Well, you can't do anything about all of the other physical stuff either, but God's got it and you don't have to worry about it. Jesus tells his disciples here, you don't have to worry. And then he adds, 
Fear not, little flock, for it is your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Sell your possessions. Give to, the, give to the, those who have needs. Provide yourselves with money bags that do not grow old. With such a treasure in the heavens that does not fail, where no thief approaches and no moth destroys. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. See, as baptized children of God, we could just rest securely knowing God's got it. We're free to use the possessions that we have for the sake of others. We recognize everything we have is from God. And here's the thing about God. He can always make more. (laughs) He can always provide more. We always look at things as a limited resource. This is all that there is. And God's like, yeah, five loaves, two fish. Don't worry about it. I got this. I created everything by the power of my word. When we live as baptized children of God, we can be generous with a neighbor in need. We can give generously to the church with the knowledge God's going to provide. Our Heavenly Father is going to give us this day our daily bread, and he's going to do the same the next day, and the day after that, and the day after that, and the day after that. He has provided for all of our physical needs up to this point. He's going to continue to do that, and he's even got eternity provided for us. So Jesus' message to his disciples, to us, is pretty simply, chill out. God's got it. Stop worrying about your stuff. God's going to give you what you need. Instead, use the stuff that you have to be a blessing to others. Because there's an eternal world of blessings that awaits. A new creation in which God's going to give And you're going to receive, and then you're going to continue to use what you receive to bless others. And you're going to do so without any of those sinful twinges that you have now, where you're like, yeah, I want to give this to somebody else, but I kind of want to keep it for myself. Our hands are going to be open to others, as God's hand is open to us. And those who are new creations in Christ, as those who are new creations in Christ, we don't have to wait until... Later, to start living in this way, we can do that right here and right now. One of the mealtime prayers that I grew up with was simply a a couple of verses from Psalm 145. And I'm going to close today with a prayer that begins with those words. The eyes of all look to you, and you give them their food in due season. You open your hand, and satisfy the desires of every living thing. Lord God, Heavenly Father, you have made us your children through baptism into Christ and by the Holy Spirit working faith in our hearts. May our faith not only be in Jesus as a Savior for things to come, but in you as our Heavenly Father who has provided for all of our needs here and now. Where there is worry, replace it with faith. Where there is anxiety, teach us to bring that anxiety to you so you can replace it with calm. Father in heaven, you do give us each day our daily bread. And like the birds of the air and all of the other creatures, look to you knowing that you will open your hand to satisfy their needs. Help us to look to you knowing that you will meet our needs. And so with our needs met and knowing that you will continue to provide Help us to open our hands in blessing to those around us, using our material possessions to help those in need 
and to meet the needs of your church. Providing Father, we pray all of these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Now may the peace that passes all understanding keep your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus to life everlasting. Amen.